Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast, bringing you juicy combos with thought leaders discussing the wild world of parenting. Panicking doesn't lead to good decisions, right? So we want families to make a family escape plan, to draw their home, bird's eye view down, and have two ways out of each bedroom. They may need a fire ladder if they're on a second floor, if there are small children, if there are compromised, you know, older enough adults to be not so mobile, people with special needs, pets. You know, these are all things that have to be thought about ahead of time. And then typically things will go okay because we don't panic into bad decisions. Yo-ho. Oh, that clip was from our guest of the show today, Chris Neville from My Safe LA. Did you just yo-ho-ho? No, wait, no. Put that mic back up there. Did you just yo-ho-ho? Come on, bub. This is hilarious. Keep it going. Yo-ho-ho. Welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast. I am your host, Katie Berlin. Don't you mean Captain Katie Berlin of the host of the Elevate the Vibe cast? Podcast there, yo-ho-ho. <laughs> Arg, yes. Well, I'm your first mate, Jason Berlin, co-host of the Elevate the Vibe podcast. <laughs> well, that was good. Yeah, I don't know about all this. No, it's okay. This episode that we have for you today is timely with what is happening here in Los Angeles and along the coast of California. We sat down with My Safe LA and one of their team members, his name is Chris Neville, to talk about fire safety. And in LA, that can be a big conversation piece because many neighborhoods back up to pretty dry land and it's common for us to have fires. But regardless of where you live, no matter where you live in the country, the world, fire safety, hazard preparedness safety, having a plan is pertinent to every family, every person that has a home, pretty much everyone. I remember when I was a kid, we would have assemblies in the gymnasium or the lunchroom, cafeteria, if you will. And we would have a local firefighter come in and scare the bejesus out of us about fire safety. And we all paid a lot of attention because we were second graders and we were very intent and we were you know messengers to our families about hey mom dad we know you're busy um, but we learned this thing today in school called stop drop and roll um, where you know if you are on fire you stop you drop you roll that puts it out um, and that was enough to scare the hell out of me I know so that uh, I took fire safety very seriously and when many of us think back our elementary school exposure to this may have been the first time we ever heard about fire safety. However, it's applicable no matter what age you are. It's something that you'd never want to be in that situation, but if you are, it's much better to have a plan in place. And our conversation today is heavily tied into how My Safe LA began which was as a fire safety program for schools and now has grown in size to be a nationally recognized public safety organization. And not only does My Safe LA cover fires, they're also very thorough with their earthquake preparedness kit, which in California we hear about every other day. Someone's saying, when's the big one happening? What are you going to do? Well, Chris here has lots of great tips and tactics about what to do when an earthquake occurs. So you're in for a real treat here because Chris is extremely knowledgeable and well-versed in all things fire and earthquake, and it was a pleasure to talk to him. All right, well, let's dive into this episode. So today we have Chris Neville from My Safe LA. 
a nonprofit organization that teaches fire and life safety throughout Los Angeles. The My Safe LA program began in 2008 teaching fire safety in elementary schools and has grown to a nationally recognized public safety organization, providing education on how you can best prepare your family and home in the event of a fire or earthquake with services like CPR training, burn prevention, pet safety, and safety for older adults as well. My Safe LA offers courses, webinars, and even their own podcast in both English and Spanish with the goal to save lives through education, engagement, and partnerships. Let's welcome Chris to the show. So Chris, welcome to the Elevate the Vibe podcast. Thank you so much. We are honored that you're here joining us and we would love for you to share with the audience a back, a little bit of background on yourself and My Safe LA. Thank you very much. Well, I've been with My Safe LA pretty close to since when they started. We're about a 12-year-old organization. I uh, started with them in 2010. So, um, and my job there uh, to this day is primarily coordinating education and logistics. So uh, a great deal of what we do, at least until the pandemic, was at the uh, grade school and later the high school levels. So setting all of that up, going in and, and doing assemblies, presentations, trainings, um, and you know the, all the, the pieces that have to fit to make that happen. Um, so I've been here for that period of time. And, and what led me here was a very long time association with uh, the fire department, both as a community emergency response team volunteer, and then later a leader, you know, a civilian leader, um, and also a lot of time spent with the American Red Cross as a uh, volunteer, uh, and again, you know, sometime volunteer leader in their program to deal with disaster res resilience and response. Um, so that kind of led me to getting to know the folks that started My Safe LA, which is a, uh, an official uh, City of Los Angeles partner with the LA City Fire Department, also work with other agencies there, and our job is to do the education and outreach that they don't really have the, the personnel or the budget to do. Uh, we don't take their money. We raise our own funds um, and work very closely with them and within their structure as a partner uh, to try to get that done and hopefully save lives. So I remember when I was growing up as a young child, having fire safety in schools, you know, everybody stop, drop and roll, right? The yeah, classic sure. stop, <laughs> drop and roll. And it sticks with you. You think you remember this. It's mm -hmm. important. So a big part of your education platform is working with children, as you mentioned, elementary school through high school age. In addition to fire safety, you also have earthquake safety. Can you share more about what those programs look like? depending on the age group. Sure. Well, the the, the, the stuff, because I know that our focus here is on the children and the stuff involving the kids, uh, we do some occasional but major stuff around earthquakes, around, for instance, uh, shakeout that we have every year, right, which most every school participates in, in October of each year, right, and some other special things that we call disaster decathlons. Uh, and a lot of the focus on that is preparedness for earthquake, because one of these days, we're all going to wish, right? Um, but in the meantime, most of our school-based stuff and most of our, our sort of bread and butter stock and trade messages, messaging is around fire safety. Um, because while the earthquake will happen and it's going to affect a great many of us, potentially quite seriously, um, every day there are structure fires in, in your city, my city. Um, every day there are, around the country at least, probably people injured or who suffer in ways that they may not have had to if they had been properly trained and prepared. 
So, you know, we want to sort of head off at the pass some of those problems and, uh, and really a key thing that we do and, and, and what makes it wonderful to talk to you both is that children are our messengers. They're our force extender. Um, when we go into schools, the idea is that, you know, while parents are harried and busy and, and non-pandemic times probably out running around doing their jobs and living their lives, you know, um, the safety problem just kind of sits there in the corner waiting for an opportunity to bite and the kids can be the slightly less busy messengers um, and kind of take charge of that for their families. So that's really a kind of core principle of what we do. We, we make the kids, you know, we call junior fire inspectors, basically safety ambassadors into their homes. So with the children as messengers, what are some of the major aspects of fire safety that you instill in children that they can take home to their parents? Well, thank you. It's a great question. There are two key components because really when you think about preparing for, let's say in your very own home and, and, you know, there'd be two elements that you really need to worry about if there's a fire, right? One, did you know about it in time? Did you get woken up? simple. You have to have smoke alarms and they have to be working and they have to be in all the places that people sleep at any time. And that's a key part of our message. And, and the programs we do with the kids end up resulting in them inspecting for that, coming back and getting free smoke alarms from us if they need them. And they often do. Um, it's astonishing how many households are under or unequipped with that inexpensive and completely critical safety tool. Uh, and if you don't wake up and the smoke gets to you, uh, it can be a very bad day, right? So that's one half of it. And then the other piece is the smoke alarm goes off, now what? And I think we all understand it's kind of a basic principle that panicking doesn't lead to good decisions, right? So we want families to make a family escape plan, to draw their home, right? Uh, you know, kind of bird's eye view down and have two ways out of each bedroom, two ways out of the house, if there's a second story that adds other complications, right? Um, so they may need a fire ladder if they're on a second floor, if there are small children, if there are uh, compromised, you know, older enough adults to be not so mobile, people with special needs, uh, pets, you know, these are all things that, that have to be thought about ahead of time. And, and then typically things will go okay because we don't panic into bad decisions. Um, and, the, and, and there are other messages that go with that, like, you know, what are the techniques to get out if we have to get under smoke? Um, you know, you mentioned stop, drop, and roll for earthquake, or for rather for person being on fire, we talk about get low and go, get low under the smoke and go. Um, so there are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty extensive curriculum that we teach the kids, but they're very good at absorbing it and hopefully taking it home and, and reteaching it. Um, so that's the two major elements is, you know, get woken up and know what to do. And when you get outside, this is what we've seen too often that even uh, folks that get out safely, if there's no plan, they panic thinking somebody's stuck inside and guess what? They go back in and we've seen people not make it back on a second, a third time even. It's tragic and it's completely unnecessary. We pay good money and invest great respect in our fire services throughout Southern California who are very well trained to do that better than we can. And they will get people out if they just calmly, what we call shelter in place. So, so those are the things that we focus on. Now, in your experience, if someone has a single family home and there are multiple ways out, of course, you can put a plan in place. But what if you live in a high rise or in sure. a condo where maybe there are not as many options? What are some of the best ways to prepare in those scenarios? Thank you. Another good question. Um, Obviously, it depends on the building and the layout and the age of the building and how much life safety equipment the building has. For instance, a building that's sprinkler, 
right? You know, that has sprinklers installed in the in the units has a you know remarkably higher uh, degree of safety and is you know you're much less likely to get into trouble um, in an older building that lacks those those features. Um, but it's not entirely different. There are things we teach people not to do. For instance, never, ever, ever get on an elevator in a building that may have a fire situation, right? Um, but you know, it's still by law, there have to be two ways out. We need to know them. The building may have what's called a safe refuge area where people are supposed to meet in the building, you know, management or floor, we don't have floor wardens in an apartment, but you know, maybe, uh, maybe somebody's kind of the captain of their floor, should be, if they're not. Um, you know, that stuff, again, that people should have thought about already, not have to figure out. And there's also a very important element of being in a larger building, uh, which is sheltering in place. You know, a, a hundred unit building, not all hundred units are gonna go up poof unless it's some horrible explosion, which is very rare, right? Fire usually starts small, the smoke alarms go off. It spreads quickly, but not so quickly that most couldn't get out. And honestly, if you're on the far end of a building that may have a fire in one unit, uh, very often, the better decision uh, is to seal the doors so that smoke can't get in and under, right? And shelter in place, be at the window or your balcony if it's appropriate, let people know that you're there so the firefighters can size up the situation, take the right steps if they need to rescue you. But more often than not, they'll knock it down over here and you're not clogging the hallways and making the ingress impossible for them to get in with their water, you know, and to rescue, right? So oftentimes it's, it's situational, it's situational awareness and uh, we don't always know exactly what's going on, but, but it's one of the reasons that we should talk about it in practice. Now, if there is a fire that's taking place in your home, so let's say that the smoke detector goes off, there's an obvious fire. If there's a fire, is there a certain size or scenario in which you want to call 911 versus using a fire extinguisher and attempting to put that out yourself? Sure. Well, my advice, and I don't know that this has the complete imprimatur of, you know, official word, but always call 911. There's a fire. And if you don't get it right, you know, you don't want to waste those precious minutes. And I think that they'll tell you every time, don't take the risk, call us, right? Then what we really preach is a wastebasket fire and smaller, if you have an extinguisher, know how to use it. And having extinguishers, you'd be surprised how many people don't. Or, or even check them for... Uh, expiration, expiration dates. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, checking the gauge, right, which should be in the green at all times, turning them over a couple of times. Most home style, you know, uh, uh, fire extinguishers are, are filled with something equivalent to baking soda and it can cake, cake up. Yeah. And mm. so every so often you want to kind of turn it upside down, shake it a little bit, uh, as well as checking the gauge and know that it's good. And yeah, at a certain point, five, six, seven, eight years, depending on the type, it's probably time to replace them just because. Um, you know, it's funny that we, we sometimes cut corners on that stuff, but man, I, I have too many fire extinguishers here and I don't mind, you know, the expenditure because someday we've seen friends' homes go up in flames. It happens, unfortunately. Yeah, we decided when we moved in to get two and we have, so two like sort of small, narrow uh, versions. I think I bought them on Amazon so that they're okay. small enough that I can store away. They're pretty stylish too. I think one's got a leopard print on it, you know, so. I, I did try to find gold, like a, like a, you, you know, know. That's important. That's yeah. important. You want to look good when you're putting out, putting out that wastebasket fire. I do. We don't yeah. want to trade aesthetics for safety here. No, you know, right. No, no, right? No, exactly. We want, it, we want it all. We want it Somebody all. Somebody looks in that that's cabinet. Funny. They need to see the stylish fire <laughs> extinguisher. You want to see my fire extinguisher? Yeah, check this um, thing out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it's great that you have them. And unfortunately, I, I don't know a statistic on this, but uh, 
uh, but you're probably, I'm going to guess that maybe half of households have them. You know, they're not, they're not ever present. We see, we go into hundreds of homes a year doing what we call canvassing. This isn't related to the kids, so I don't mean to get off point, but, uh, but we go into neighborhoods and with our fire department partners and we'll go door to door and actually with people's permission, go in and check their smoke alarms. Um, some of which look like they belong in, you know, a, a a 19th century museum, right? <laughs> um, it's amazing. But the point is, and then we, we replace them for free. Um, so it's a really cool program. And we know we've had saves from, uh, from putting in these alarms, right? Uh, but, but yeah, and so going in, we see also ask things like, do you have a fire extinguisher? And oftentimes, surprisingly, they don't, or they don't remember where it is, or the gauge is like upside down. You know, uh, it's not top of mind for us. None of us lives in the land of what can go wrong, because that's a lousy way to live. But we need to invest a few minutes in thinking of the uh-ohs and then prepare and then go back to love and life. Now, I've worked in the restaurant industry in the past, in undergrad, and of course, there are different types of fires that can take place as well. So there's electrical fires. There could be... Grease fires. A grease fire. Mm -hmm. So... As part of the education process, do you teach about those different variations and how to handle them? Because with a grease fire, if it's small, you don't want to pour water on it. Ever. Right. You, that's why, the, like you mentioned, the fire extinguisher has like a baking soda type product within it because it's a better option to pour flour all over a grease fire than, you know, dousing it with water. Well, we do teach the kids that. So I'll start my answer with that. We do teach kids about grease fires, particularly because there's a pretty extensive use of, of grease or... Um, like an oil. Right. Oil-based yeah. cooking is common in certain cultures that are much part of our scene here. And and so it's important that the kids we see that they understand and that they pass that message. Extinguishers, okay, but it can spread the flames, right? It could actually push them onto other surfaces. And we don't want to do that. What we really want to do is, you know, if it's on the stove, the real thing we want to do is just smother it. So there's two options that we teach. One is passing a lid sideways uh, over the flame, right? And, and just putting it down. Fire has deprived of oxygen and goes out, right? Or if that's not possible or practical, um, we teach uh, baking soda, but not necessarily pressurized. A little box of baking soda, a teaspoon or a couple of teaspoons will usually put it out. It's amazing. Um, so it's easier and you don't waste your fire extinguisher and you don't like splatter the whole kitchen or possibly burn it up, right? So. Which is like such a good tip because so many people may have baking soda in their refrigerator just sure. for the purpose of freshening up. I've never used it for anything else. So baking, <laughs> baking. yeah, but, you know. but it's a, a simple solution that could keep a fire from growing. And I would think, I mean, I could be wrong. You would, of course, have better statistics on this, but I would think that the majority of preventable fires probably happen in the kitchen. They probably start you, in the kitchen. You've done, you've done your homework. That's great. You're, that's absolutely true. Um, and, you know, obviously one of the other things, we teach a lot of things about kitchen safety, and I don't know that we have time to go down all of it, but one of the things is, you know, really we all do this, but people shouldn't leave cooking unattended, right? It's not a great idea, and things can go wrong, and, and uh, so... Uh, both with the kids and also with older adults who may have, you know, occasionally memory issues. In both cases, one of our messages is don't leave stuff on the stove and just figure it'll all be good because once in a long while, it's not. It can be a, an expensive mistake, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, yeah, I would imagine that, of course, there are opportunities for electrical fires where it's something you can't see 
and it takes place, especially in older homes. Sure. But I would think that the majority of preventable would occur in the kitchen. Absolutely. And, you know, you raise a good point, too, which is that, I mean, if we ignore our electrical systems forever, it's it's not cheap to rewire. We've done it. We know. Um, but, you know, at some point, it's something that you want to pay attention to. Right. Because it's it's unfortunate if there's a short and, you know, it starts to smolder and and uh, and, you know, we could lose a house or, or something worse. So I think that's important also to know that if, if the fire happens to start an electrical apparatus that's out in the open. Right. You don't want to just start squirting it with things, certainly not water. I mean, obviously, water is a conductor. You want to unplug it is the first thing that you want to do if you can safely. Right. That's a good start. Then, you know, it's a chance to either put itself out or you'll, you'll have a, a safer opportunity to extinguish it. Now, if you have fire safety within your home, but let's say that there's opportunities to stay abreast of this outside of the home as well, especially in California, we live in a very dry climate and there can be very harsh forest fires that devastate not only our state, but they can devastate across multiple states in very dry areas. So for children or just even adults, if they're out and they see something or just want to be good citizens and prevent anything from happening, what are some of the points that you hammer home for children for this? Well, you know, we all... We get close to that. Bear in mind, I mean, Los Angeles has lots of areas of what we call urban wildland interface, right? You know, where brushy areas basically, right? Um, you know, the passes, the canyons, the mountains. I mean, so we have that. That's a little different than the classic full-on forest fire out in, you know, the middle of the some such and such national forest. But, um, but so in those areas, we do teach something which also applies to absolute, you know, hinterlands area. It's called ready, set, go. Uh, but that's really more of a preparation and escape strategy, because if there's going to be wildfire, I mean, you can make defensible space around the home. You can do things to try to mitigate and to protect your home. But it's not the same as something that began within your own structure. And, you know, it's a completely different kind of response. Right. So I don't know that we teach the kids so much uh, what to do if it's in the distance or whatever, other than we teach the world don't you know be brave about it or think you're going to defend your own home or whatever get out and don't wait to be told to get out when you're asked to get out get out and then there's a whole thing ready set go that talks about how you prepare for that you know what you need to have at the ready in the home what you need to pack in the set phase right into your car which is facing out so that you can get into it and go quickly you know important papers certain survival things and go that's self-evident right time to leave and uh you know houses can be replaced folks can't Humans can't. I like that ready, set, go. So what are some of the items that are very important for ready and then set and then of course the go? Sure. Well, the assumption is that in most cases you're going to be able to shelter somewhere, right? You're not going to be sleeping out in the, the wilds. I mean, so it's not so much like after an earthquake where we not have access, you know, where there may be general sort of displacement of our supply chain and all that. Um, we're thinking more about, you know, what would you need to have to escape with certain kinds of clothes, shoes, you don't want to escape barefoot. Um, uh, even in regular city slicker, you know, domestic sort of house fires, we talk about a go bag. It's probably worth mentioning in this context, even though it's a little different than wildfire, where we say by your beds, you should have a little bag tied to the bed that has a pair of shoes. Because I don't know about you, but I sleep barefoot. And that's also not a great thing after an earthquake when there may be shattered materials all over, right? Uh, flashlight, 
and not the one that, oops, I think I took it into the garage and I forgot to bring it back, a dedicated one, a whistle in case you're stuck. People don't often think about that. Um, something warm in case instead of our current balmy time of year, uh, you know, if it's the middle of January, uh, because you may be outside for a while. And, and again, I'm talking specifically about an, uh, you know, an urban single family home kind of situation, but it applies in all cases, right? Um, uh, and then, you know, for those folks, what's really important is what are you gonna need? Um, you know, do you have your wallet at the ready? Do you have your important papers that could perish in the fire? Do you have copies of them maybe, right? You know, think about the business side of things too, because you're gonna need those, those items. Uh, and, and, you know, think about the kids, think about comfort item for the kids so that they're not, and um, your kids oriented shows. So that's a really important piece. What's gonna give the kids the least bad experience, right? What will kind of make them feel protected. Um, so those things, you know, but, uh, and I'm happy to point you as in all these matters to our, our website, um, because we have extensive information there that I could never regurgitate in this time period. Um, and if I may, it's MySafeLA, MySafeLA.org, uh, just covers a world of things in this life safety space. And I, and I, I like to think it's pretty well presented and that your listeners will find it uh, good reading and, you know, we'll go away with something that uh, they didn't have before. What I love about it also is that even if you don't live in LA, it could be a resource for you. I mean, the, in, the information is going to be timeless for anyone. And we do, by the way, since you probably do pick up some audience, you know, outside of the the immediate Southland, we do have a sister organization site, California Fire Prevention uh, Organization. And I believe that's calfireprevention.org. So uh, they have, you know, a choice of either one, but but the information will, you know, obviously the the, the themes are universal. Now, going back to fires taking place in the home, I don't know if this is an old wives tale or if this is true, but when I was growing up, if I ever went on vacation, my mom would avoid rooms that were above the ninth floor mm -hmm. because she said that firefighters ladders cannot reach past the ninth floor. So she was always nervous to stay anywhere that was above a ninth floor. And she would make it a point, like, I really would prefer not to stay above the ninth floor. Is there truth to that? My answer, which uh, could get me into some trouble with somebody, but, you know, my answer is in an older building, maybe. But, uh, you know, again, if you're in a, you know, building codes have gotten pretty uh, aggressive, right, to protect us. And that's true both for earthquakes and fires. So buildings have had to be retrofitted in many areas with sprinklers. They have really advanced alarm systems that obviously go to central panels and alert the fire department and, you know, 911 quickly. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't lose much sleep over that unless I know I'm going to stay in some, you know, relic kind of building that uh, hasn't been upgraded. Then that might concern me, but otherwise, no, I think, you know, that, that uh, the regulations will tend to keep you pretty safe. Some of those older buildings have those fire escapes outside that are all jag, you know, the uh, like the New York style, you know, so. Well, it's true. And, and yeah, and I mean, in those kinds of buildings, maybe, but of course, I mean, they're not typically that tall, but uh, you're, you're absolutely right. But knowing about those things and, and how to get out on them and all that, I mean, this is all part of planning. And, you know, planning isn't just when you're at home. You know, we're talking about kids. Kids do sleepovers, right? Well, I understand. I was a kid. It's hard to think back that far, but... You know, I'm sure I would have felt like a complete, if this is a polite expression, dork for ever asking my friends, hey, what's your escape plan, you know, as soon as I got over there. So it's kind of, it's a big dream to think that kids would ever be that conscious of it in their 
day-to-day routines. But, you know, when you're somewhere that's not your place, it's good to at least be aware, look around. And if we teach our own kids, you don't have to necessarily ruin your suave and debonair thing with your friends, but at least say, you know, son, daughter, look around, see how you'd get out if it ever happened, right? Um, And they can be watching for certain things that really are dangerous, like some older homes and maybe neighborhoods with a bit of a, a crime issue or whatever might have bars on the windows, right? And it's really important. Most of them are cool and, and they can be open from the inside with a pedal or a, like something you turn. It might be a little sticky, rusty, but typically it's okay. But there are a few that illegally are bolted on and that should never be true in a, in a uh, bedroom window, right? In most cities that would be against the codes. Um, so, you know, just being aware of these things and, and they don't have to obsess, but if you can teach them a little bit about that and they just kind of make a mental notice they're walking in plenty good. Yeah, I feel like every time I go to a party, I'm consciously looking for the way out as fast as humanly possible. So I'm hoping... Is that, is that really about fire safety? Uh, yeah, though? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's my exit strategy? Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, do I have to crawl? Do I have to, you know, Tom Cruise out of here? So hopefully that just, uh, you know, osmosis is right down to our child is my plan. So. Is there... Oh, good. I hope so too. Is there a certain age that you recommend instilling this? Like before a certain age, maybe they can't quite comprehend but at at least three years old or four years old, that's a good time to begin to educate. That's a great question. And I don't have a pat answer for that. I can tell you who we teach and what we long ago determined was pedagogically the right age. And it's paid off well for us. And that's, we go into the schools, the grade schools at the fourth and fifth grade level. So that's, that's kind of our target. Um, You know, we've tried to teach younger kids. There are programs that do teach younger kids in the schools. Uh, using kind of costume character or acting kinds of, you know, they make it more of a, a bit more of a game. So I don't think it's ever too early, but I know the, at least in our form of, of trying to teach, you know, it, we've done it during the summers with summer camps and things, and it's been challenging, you know, with the little ones because the span of attention is different, you know. I mean, I remember good old Smokey the Bear, you know, only you can prevent forest fires. Is he still utilized or are there other more so. up-to-date I characters? So. Yeah. No, yeah. I think Smokey's still out there, you know, uh, doing his thing. I mean, there um, there are areas of LA where there could be um, a good amount of open space that has dry, like a dry nature to it where we've driven by and there will be a Smokey the Bear statue and like a sign that that says today's fire danger is and there's a little insert where it can say like low medium high so i've i mean i've seen him around oh yeah 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 yeah. no and those those signs are really important especially people live in those you know again urban wildland interface kinds of areas because it can be not funny in a real hurry as we've seen right um i mean we've seen you know the 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 climatological changes and, and whatnot are really seem to be increasing the frequency and severity of these wildfires. And so uh, folks in those areas have, have every reason to think ahead, you know, and be prepared. Question on an actual product. Now, if you live in a two-story home or maybe you're in an apartment that's mm-hmm. on the second story or somehow mm-hmm. you could easily get out of the window and the jump down or the way down is in so high. Is there a specific ladder or product that you like and you recommend? I'm, I'm imagining like a roll-up. A chain, yeah. Yeah, like a chain or a rope ladder that hooks on and rolls I mean, I out. don't have a brand. You know, uh, home improvement stores, uh, Amazon, I mean, they're out there. And we do teach, when we teach kids, we teach others, 
that if they have a second story, um, yes, that and if they can get out safely that way, uh, to have a, a rope or chain ladder. I mean, because the the nice thing is it doesn't. It's not like you have an extended ladder lying sideways in your room. I mean, it can be <laughs> under the bed. It can be by the window. It doesn't have to be a, a decor killer, you know. Um, but yes, absolutely, on second floors that can be a, a make a big difference. Maybe that could be along with stylish fire extinguishers we could do a stylish <laughs> ladder I see a business bubble right. yeah. some carbon fiber <laughs> steps i think sounds good yeah, yeah like a wood nice wood grain nice yeah. stain mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah use some shiplap somehow <laughs> right <laughs> yes so in addition to the fire safety i mean we talked about this briefly but this really applies heavily to us in la what are, or in California, what are some steps that we can take to prevent and protect our home in the event of an earthquake? Well, you know, I, I'm not a uh, building engineer. I'm not an architect or a civil engineer. I mean, so I can tell you that in the simplest sense, it's probably important to have a, a duly certificated contractor or engineer check the home to make sure that it's properly bolted to the foundation, right? Uh, if, that if it needs cripple walls, you know, the kind of upgrades that they do to the foundation, that's important. But just as important, I think, is that you take steps inside to affix or fasten things that could be flying around, breaking and harming um, during the shaking, right? So there's all kinds of good products, you know, museum wax and, and braces and better kinds of hooks for paintings um, uh, and Velcro type of things that you can use to maybe affix a, a TV to the wall or if it's on a dresser that it just doesn't go flying. Uh, a lot of good products out there. And they're again, they're available even at some of the major chain uh, do-it-yourself stores, home improvement stores, as well as emergency preparedness specialist type of, of organizations. Um, and, you know, it's, it's I, what, ha- what I've found in my life is if you try to do it all, you do nothing and you end up letting the, the you know, the perfect be the enemy of the good. So uh, I, I'm, you know, what I tell people is just do one thing a month, you know, you'll be way better off than most of the neighbors, you know, and especially when you talk about earthquakes, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys are from here, but, you know, our last one that really mattered was in 1994. So there's this whole generation of people that don't remember. And every kid we ever talked to at the grade school or high school level and some other things don't remember. They weren't here, you know, or they were too young. So uh, it's it's really important to take those steps, even if it feels kind of like, why am I doing this? This will never happen. Well, I can tell you, I'm old enough to tell you it can happen. It's happened three times in my life where it was significant. If you are inside of your home and there's an earthquake taking place or you feel one is about to take place, what yeah. are some of the safety precautions that you could take immediately to protect yourself? Sure. Good question. Um, well, aside from preparing and, you know, getting things to where they're not, I mean, where you've limited the amount of stuff that's going to go flying, breaking, whatever as best you can, it's never going to be perfect. Um, what you do in that moment, you know, let's say you're sleeping, which is a third of our lives, right? Um, you know, people might have a tendency to want to go scram or, or the old uh, myth about getting under a doorway. We do not teach that anymore. Um, if you're in bed, stuff all the pillows you can over yourself. That's a lot of absorption. That's a lot of protection, right? Um, and with a little luck, you know, the house is still standing. You just go back to sleep. Um, <laughs> but that's one thing to do. You know, what we generally teach the kids at every shakeout and every time we talk about earthquakes is drop cover and hold on. You want to get under an object that hopefully won't move and is strong enough to withstand a desk, a table, um, something that hopefully will take the blows if stuff does come down. You want to hold on to it because it could move and you want to move with it right? You don't want to end up back out in the open because the table went that way and you're still, you know, uh, and and obviously hold on to it tight so that uh, you maintain that protection. 
And what we never want to do is run outside uh, because things come off of building facades, you know, bricks, ceiling tiles, uh, roof tiles. Um, so really you want to wait till the shaking stops, assess the situation, see if it's safe and then proceed if appropriate. Thinking about the kids, you, you know, the, I keep circling back to this is about the kids. The kids, um, A, you want to teach them if they're old enough, right? Not to come running to you because again, that during the shaking, that's how we get hurt, right? Bookcase comes down or something and they're underneath it, not pretty broken glass and they're barefoot. And again, you know, the go bag and all, but if they're just operating out of instinct, they're going to come running to mom and dad. And uh, in 1994, we had the opposite problem. I, uh, somewhat less well-trained at the time uh, in the Northridge earthquake, and we got quite a shake over here. Um, I had a daughter who was, uh, she would have been three or four at the time and uh, have a daughter. Um, and she was, little did I know, was in bed with us. So I go racing into a room, panic when she's not there, right? having an absolute heart attack. And, you know, once it all got sorted out, she was sleeping next to mommy in the bed, right? Um, so, you know, try to teach the kids not to sneak into the middle of the night, I guess, and, <laughs> uh, and, and to stay put, you know, to do the very things you should do uh, until the shaking stops, then we can figure it out. But you don't want to be getting hurt in the process. I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, that if you're for some reason in a room where there's not really a place that you can cover underneath, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that it can be a good idea to lean up against a wall, sort of lay down on the floor and lean up against the wall. Because if for some reason the ceiling falls, if the wall is there, it can create a barrier for you and you'll be in a little pocket of some um, sort. That's, that goes, no, um, okay. that's, a, that, that's <laughs> actually mythology that there's a particular gentleman that's promoted a, a lot of theory about using these spaces. Um, that is not, let's just say that major safety organizations and most fire departments will not endorse. Uh, and it doesn't mean it's wrong 100% of the time, that, but it, it means it's not proven or consistently the case. What we would want you to do in that case is the same drop cover and hold on, but now it's you. It's your hands over your head in like a fetal position, covering your head and neck, because at the end of the day, that's what matters most. This is the control center up here above the neck, right? And our spines are the most important thing, obviously, to protect. So, you know, you may get contusions or cuts or something, but you really want to protect that head and neck. So get in that position. Um, there are other unique situations, folks in wheelchairs. You know, we say lock cover and hold on, right? The same idea. Um, you know, uh, so it, it depends on each person's age, mobility situation, but um, but no, I mean, the wall per se, I don't think it's going to be your savior, but covering that head and neck, that's important. And you'd probably do it against the wall, right? You, you know, you need something to kind of uh, anchor yourself to. So that's fine. Or I'm thinking if you're outdoors and there's nowhere, like there's not really a good place for you to do it because you don't necessarily want to get next to a building, especially maybe if oh. the and facade trees is, fall too. I've like, watched trees just fall right over. So some trees do, and and you know you really yeah, what you want to watch out for obviously electrical lines, just any kind of hazard, thing, falling things or 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 electricity be my my big two. Um, you know you want to be out as much in the open as possible where. You know, because the earth's not going to split open and swallow you, you know, so. Hopefully. No, no sinkholes. <laughs> I, I literally have like a, like a horror image in my mind that I would be driving and something like that would happen and it would, you know, like the sea would part almost and, and you're. We, we got a Moses well, There have been some wonderful here. movies, but, you know, uh, <laughs> for entertainment value, but we actually, part of a presentation that we give an audio visual on, on earthquake safety has all the things that won't happen, you know, including <laughs> getting swallowed up by mother earth and all that. So now if you could leave the audience with a key takeaway, what would that be? 
Well, I think it'd be it'd be three quick points, right? One is um, you're busy, grownups. Uh, get your kids involved in this and let them take some leadership uh, opportunity with it, right? To be the ones they most, you know, above a certain age, they can check the fire extinguishers, right? If they're if they're within reach, um, and see if they're in good order, and maybe even turn them over if they're, you know, nine or ten at least. Um, and and see if there are you know electrical outlets with too many things plugged into them or you know just any or or uh maybe a room that's too crowded with stuff right that would be hard to escape right things like that they can look and see if their home address is easy to spot uh, both during the day and at night because you want first responders to be able to find you right um we can teach them how to call 911 properly right what kind of information to give not to hang up until they're told to um, never to do it as a prank. There's so many things that we can teach our kids and that we do teach children. Um, and I think that, you know, for busy adults, I think that that's, that's one thing that will make the whole family better off, certainly give the kids some sense of, of uh, comfort knowing that they're on top of the game, you know. Um, the second thing is that as we teach the kids is to be aware of those big two, right? Smoke alarms, um, uh, 38% of the people that uh, die in fatal fires didn't have a working smoke alarm. I mean, it's a very real deal, right? So uh, you want to have, uh, make sure you've got good smoke alarms. Again, get the kids, even if they can't, you don't want to climb in ladders, but have them be the mom, dad, do this, you know, elbow in the ribs kind of thing. And then finally, families, make your escape plan. On our website, you can print out the, the kind of grid sheet that lets you to draw the house. Obviously, if there's multiple floors, maybe draw one for each floor. Um, you can revise it over time and then practice the plan you know, with the family, as silly as it sounds, walking out to the family meeting place and all. But as I was starting to say earlier, if you don't have that place, people can chase each other back in and, and get in trouble. Um, so those would be, for me, the big takeaways. I have two questions off of that. What if you have someone in your family who's hearing impaired? Mm -hmm. Are there light censored alarms? Yes, there are. Thank you for that question. Uh, it's a great question. One is um, there are strobe uh, light alarms. There are strobe light smoke alarms that are available, which, you know, can help if somebody's hearing impaired, obviously, right? It'll get your attention. Um, and, and in, you know, severe cases, there are also uh, bed shakers. That, that might be more for somebody who was, you know, uh, visually impaired, but it can help in both cases. Um, so yeah, there are special apparatus that you can get that, that help with that. But again, as much as that's all good, um, you know, what if you roll off in a hotel or something? It's important to figure out who's going to be responsible to go alert or get so-and-so, right? Just like if it's a six-month-old, who's getting the baby? The baby ain't crawling out by him or herself. And my second question would be, if you do have pets, do you recommend that the family focus on their own escape? And pets are pretty resilient. They're very smart. They will figure the way out. Or do you try to think about designating someone to grab a pet I, I already feel like i'm answering my own question but uh how, does how much that... do you like your pet <laughs> yeah well because some people have multiple pets yeah. and some are inside some are like children to people and some are outside pets so i'd love to know your thoughts on this well that's fair and and pets are a very big part of many of our families right uh we have it licked i mean our little ancient like 14 year old yorkie sleeps on our bed um, please don't tell anyone listeners. And so that'd <laughs> well, be, that'd well, be an easy grab and go well, with it, it, you know? Right. That's um, what, like some animals you could, you know where they are and sure. if there was an issue, you could grab them and go. But for some people, maybe they have 
like a bird or some other sure. animal that's really important to them? Well, here's my actual answer is that, you know, uh, unfortunately, it might sound uh, like, you know, somehow condescending to the animal world, but we're more important. Um, and if you have to make a choice, it's about saving yourself, right? If you can grab the animal safely as part of that plan we talked about, you know, without going out of your way through a potentially burning home, just go, you know, seek out uh, the birdie or, you know, the rabbit, right? Um, then we can do that as part of the plan. Um, but if that, if it's a big enough animal or cage or whatever, where, you know, you're going to be hampered uh, in your escape, not big on that. If, uh, uh, if, if it's a larger animal, you know, big dog or whatever, if there's an open door or an opening or if they have a doggy door or whatnot, you know, I always teach kids, Bambi doesn't run into the forest fire. You know, animals have instincts. They know. They hate it more than we do, right? They'll be out of the um, fire before we are. That's That was sort of my point. There are <laughs> yeah. many times where the animals, you hear where someone goes back in for a pet and the pet ends up surviving, yeah. but the person Bingo. does not survive. Right. Yeah. That said it more eloquently than anything I could. I mean, that's exactly right. They have instincts. They'll get out many times. If they can't, the firefighters will, if you make them aware. And by the way, when, when you get to the meeting place and, you know, engine pulls up and the captain comes out and goes, what do we got, right? And you're saying everybody's out or my daughter, my son is still inside sheltering in place, hopefully, you know, with like the door sealed and waving flashlights and screaming at the window, come get me. Do you want to teach them? And, and, uh, you know, you're giving him the brief or her the brief of, okay, here's what we've got, right? If there's an animal in there, you can make them more of that and they'll try to get them if they can. And they even have little oxygen masks for the dogs and cats if they get some smoke. So, um, but the main thing is, you know, we have to get out and I know that would hurt, but, uh, you know, us first. I believe there's also decals that you can put on your mm -hmm. door that will indicate if you have a pet inside. Yes, absolutely. And they're available at pet stores, they're available online. It's possible that the animal protective organizations have them. Yes. Yeah, similar to idea. like the baby on board for a vehicle. Yeah. I, it, it blew my mind to learn this and it, I, it sh probably shouldn't, but I used to think that the baby on board logo on a vehicle meant like, please drive carefully around me because I have a child. But I learned that having that sticker or some sort of indication on your car that there's a baby on board means that in the event of emergency, you're showing that there's someone who cannot help themselves to get out of the vehicle. And that's why it's there to alert responders to rescue that person because they can't rescue themselves. Well, I've learned something myself today then, because I thought it was just like, don't be piling into me because you're not paying attention. I have a precious cargo here. That's what, so, that's what I learn. thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was for that purpose. I thought there was a piece of wood in the car with a baby on it. So oh. I think oh. I've learned oh, well, something you know, too. Look, there's, there's sometimes being literal is good. Um, <laughs> there's a baby, maybe on a surfboard. There's yeah. a baby on a surfboard in this of, car. Yeah, it's a different logo though. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Now, uh, I'd love for you to share a favorite resource that you have. I know you mentioned a couple of the different sites, but you, of course, can re reiterate that. But a, a favorite resource that you would recommend for the audience as well. Well, you know, again, my, my daughter's uh, going to turn 30 in some months. So I'm, I'm a little past the point of active child rearing and being really up on, on the best resources for that. Uh, I think I'm going to circle back because we have so much material, you know, curated over, as I say, well over 10 years. Um, that in the space that we're talking about, I'm going to suggest that people spend a minute and, that, and bring their children uh, to mysafela.org. Uh, Just for kicks, I'll mention that, you know, uh, there is a, a wonderful uh, 
historical society in Hollywood, you know, for Southern Californians that has all kinds of old fire apparatus and history of the department. So um, that can be uh, a nice resource for just teaching kids more about that world. What's the name of that location? It's LA uh, Fire Department Historical Society Museum. It's uh, oh, cool. Coenga in Hollywood. And okay. It's, you know, mm. Cool. I yeah. can't picture it on Coenga in Hollywood. Coenga. Yeah, it's, it's right pretty... by Fire Station 27 and just a little south of Sunset. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Pretty busy intersection right there. Mm -hmm. So, okay. That's cool. great to know. Also, that could be a fun trip for a family member to sure. take a, a little one over there. And then they also, closer to you, they've also got a, uh, an old uh, fireboat and a, you know, kind of an annex to the museum down in the harbor in San Pedro. So there's actually two oh. facilities. Oh, nice. that's cool. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That would so be for fun. kids. There you go. Yeah. And, you know, more more uh, conveniently, I mean, you can you know, you can always call your local fire station in most cities. Right. Um, and ask to come visit with your kids. And I mean, they're typically very welcoming and, and love to show their home, you know, their home away from home off to you and, and the, the equipment that, you know, that you've invested in to keep your city safe. So that's another thing that I would recommend. And then for the social aspect, you've shouted out the website, but where can everyone follow along through social sure. platforms? So we're at MySafeLA, Twitter, Facebook, and a bunch of other places that I'm going to fall short on, but we're definitely <laughs> on those. Well, we, we will link them in the show yes. notes as well for Wonderful. everyone also. Great. Yes. So Chris, thank you for joining us. I feel like it we... Was... We have work to do. Personally. I'm going to go shake my fire extinguisher right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, both of them. We have two. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know where the other one is. I love it. Well, you you both been delightful to talk to. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you for Chris. joining us. We appreciate it. And thanks for helping us elevate the vibe. And everybody stay safe. All right. Thank thanks, you. Chris. Hey there, Vibe Hive babes. If this podcast has brought you any value, please rate and review on your favorite listening platform. And if you're feeling really generous, share with a friend. Visit us at elevatethevibe.co for show notes on this episode and previous episodes. This podcast is intended to educate, entertain, and inspire. It is not intended to diagnose, treat, or substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions you may have. And as always, thank you for joining us to Elevate the Vibe.